are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to turn with us tonight in the book of 2 Kings, and I want to read from chapter 1 of 2 Kings. And I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book. And I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. And there won't ever be any more. This is all there's going to be. Thank God for the Bible. Let's read the, the wonderful Word of God tonight. In Second Kings chapter 1. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, Is it not because there's not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed, and when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man of God. There came a man to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel? that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he, which came up to meet you, and told you these words? And they answered him, He was an hairy man, and girt with a girdle of leather, leather about his loins, and he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to meet him, and behold, he sat upon the top of a hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and commanded and consumed him and his fifty. Again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven 
and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains and the former fifties with their fifties. Let therefore my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down now with him and be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire unto Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off thy bed, on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And I would like to call to your attention tonight a wonderful question asked in verse 7 in this wonderful part of the word of God. And he said unto them, This is a godless king. This is a man that had no thought of God. This is a man who did not know the meaning of prayer. This is a man who knew nothing about forgiveness. This is a man who knew nothing about God and the way he works. This man said to his messengers whom he'd sent, what manner of man was this which came up to meet you and told you this th these things? And I'd like for you to notice this question tonight. What manner of man was he? And I'm speaking to you tonight on what kind of a man was Elijah. You say, well, preacher, that's in the Old Testament. There's never going to be any more people like Elijah. I don't buy that. I don't go for that. I think what God did in one day, He is able to do in our day. And what we need in this day and hour is some people of God who love God and believe the Bible, who live like Elijah lived. You know, God really must have thought highly of Elijah. When, um, when Elijah was so mightily used of God, I think the Lord put His stamp of approval upon him. And God seems to say in His Word, this is the kind of a preacher and this is the kind of a Christian that we need in this day. Why, one day they were talking to Jesus about John the Baptist and about the Bible teaching that Elijah will come back again. And uh, Jesus said, why, Elijah has already come in the person of this mighty preacher this man of God, John the Baptist, Elijah, has already come. God is saying, Elijah was worth duplicating. He's worth making again. And I believe God is still able to make Elijah's even in your day and mine. I think God, like Elijah, was pleased with Elijah because Elijah could bring fire from heaven. And I want to say to you tonight, 
That's what we need in America and in our churches and in the independent Baptist movement and in the fundamentalist movement. We need more than anything else in the world. We need to have the fire of God upon our ministry and upon our work. Elijah could call fire down from heaven. You know, there are a lot of people that say, well, you can't have revival. You can't see great numbers of people saved in this day and time. So many other things have gotten the attention of people. But I want to tell you, I believe tonight that a praying man or woman can get the attention of God. And I believe the days of revival are by no means over when God's people believe they can get fire from heaven and have revival. I was saved in 1935. August the 12th, 12 o'clock noon. On a Wednesday at 12 o'clock in a little country church, God saved my soul and called me to preach. And it took place in a revival atmosphere. And I believe that can happen again. I believe God can send a revival tonight to your church, to your home, and to your heart, and to your life. I believe the Christian that wants revival badly enough to pay the price can have revival tonight. We can still get fire out of heaven. Why, well, I remember when I first got saved, I was so fortunate. I, I met the old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. He was not old then. He was 54 years of age. He brought the greatest preachers in America to the little college in Cleveland, Tennessee, to, so that they could preach to us students. I remember an old man, Henry Clay Morrison. I doubt if there's anybody on this tent tonight old enough to have heard and remember Henry Clay Morrison. Now, he wasn't a Baptist. At least he wasn't then. He's in heaven now, and no doubt he is, but he wasn't then. He wore his hair long like a prophet. We wouldn't let him in Midwestern Baptist College. He couldn't have gone to Howells Anderson School, but he was a, a oh, what a mighty man of God. And I, I heard him preach. I just saved. And he was preaching about revival and how anywhere, at any time, when God's people meet God's condition, God can bring a revival. You know, a lot of people don't know what revival is. I had a young man 18 years of age in Emmanuel Baptist Church who came to Midwestern Baptist College and he saw scores of people being saved and the fire of God and the blessing of God upon a church. And he said, Preacher, I, I was saved in a fundamental Baptist church, but I've never seen a revival before in my life. Oh, tonight, that our generation might see revival. Oh, Dr. Morrison said, God laid upon his heart a town in Kentucky where he wanted to see a church started and people saved and um, a work of God and a revival. Said he didn't know a soul. Old Dr. Morrison said he went in that town, in a little uh, uh, Kentucky town, where there were hundreds and thousands of people. And he said to someone, when he came into town, he stopped in a little general merchandise store. He said to the proprietor of that store, you know of anybody in this town 
that loves God, knows how to pray, believes the Bible, and wants to see souls saved. Said to the man in the store, said, after he hesitated a moment, yeah, come to think of it, only one I know, you just go on the way you're going, go right through town, you'll make a right turn out here, and up on the hill is a little old shack. Said a little old woman lives in that shack. I believe she loves God. She believes the Bible. She knows how to pray. She loves to see people saved. That's the only one I know of. You can go see her. He said he walked on down, came to a blacksmith shop. Old Henry Clay Marson said to the blacksmith, Do you know of anybody in this town who loves God, knows how to pray, believe the Bible, wants to see souls saved? Said the old blacksmith said, just go on the way you're going. Go right down. Go right down and turn that curb. And up on the hill will be a little shack. There's an old lady lives there by the name of Mrs. McPhee. If there's anybody in this town that loves God, believes the Bible, knows how to pray, and wants to see people saved, that old woman does. He said he went, knocked on that little shack door. And he said a woman with her dress down, right down over her shoes, and her hair balled up on the back of her head, an old-fashioned country woman, came to the door and he said, My name is Henry Clay Morrison. I want to see a revival in this town. I want to see people saved. I want to see the fire of God come on this place. Said the old woman, lifted her hands in the air and began to shout and praise God. And she said, young man, I never saw you before. But for 40 years, I've been praying for God to sweep through this city and through this area and save people and bring a mighty revival. And old Dr. Morrison said, he said in a few weeks, that town began to be shaken and souls were saved. And the work of God had the mighty power of God upon it in that place. I want to ask you tonight. Somebody to come down your street. And knock on your door. And say to you. Do you know anybody in this community. Who believes the Bible. Loves God. Knows how to pray. Wants to see people saved. Who would you tell them? I want to tell you tonight. What we need in America more than anything else in the world is what this dear brother has on his heart. God to save America. And that will never happen until God sends an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival in our midst. Oh, I heard a theologian not long ago, a dispensationalist. And I know there are such things as dispensations. But I heard one say, you know... Uh, Brother Tom, there's not going to be any revivals in our day. He said the days of revival are gone. I have news for you. When God's people pay the price set forth in the Bible, God will do what he did when Elijah was here. When he brought fire from heaven, God can do it again. I will to tell you, it won't come through a program. And I believe in programs. It won't, it won't come just through advertising. It won't come from publicity. 
It'll come when a group of people are willing to humble themselves, confess their sins, get thoroughly right with God, and claim from God a revival from heaven. Oh, Dr. Lakin said to me years ago, he said to me, Tom, if anybody ever asks you to come to Wooster, Ohio, he said, don't go. I said, why? He said, because it's a graveyard of evangelism. So I, I didn't worry about it because I nobody had ever asked me to go to Wooster, Ohio anyway. But one day the phone rang and a man on the other end of the line said, Brother Tom, and he gave me his name. He said, I'm a pastor of the Baptist Temple in Wooster, Ohio. And many, many years ago, how that voice came on the phone. I can hear it tonight. There was a sob in it. There were tears in it. He said, I want a revival. I want my church to be stirred. I want a revival that will influence this whole city and this whole countryside. And he said, I've been praying for a revival. And he said, I'd give my life for a revival. And as he talked on, I said, oh Lord, don't let him say what I think he's about to say. I want you to come to Worcester, Ohio. But that's what he said. He said, I've been praying for God to send someone. And we, that we can have a revival. I couldn't say no. I said, yes, I'll come. I'll never forget that man. I'll never forget that week. I'll never forget that revival. I drove into that town about 36 or 7 years ago at 5 o'clock on a Monday afternoon. And there was this preacher. He helped my, with my things into a little motel room. And in that room were two straight back chairs and a little table about the size of the top of this pulpit. And a bed and a lamp and that's about it. He said to me, Brother Tom, could we pray? I said, sure. He got down by one of those straight back chairs. I got down by another one. And he began to pray. And he began to call on God and tell God. He loved Him. And he believed His promises. And he believed that God could send a revival. And he said, Oh Lord, I'd give my life for a revival. I would give my life for revival. And oh, when he got through praying, I felt like the windows of heaven had been opened. And I hardly felt like I was capable of praying. And when we arose, there was a puddle of tears down on the floor. Oh, he said, I'll be back after you about seven o'clock. And that man of God walked in that room about seven o'clock. And he said, Brother Tom, could we pray? I said, sure. Got down on his knees by that chair and my, me by this one. And when he finished praying, so help me God. I'm not using the expression. I'm, I'm using the truth. When he rose, when he arose from his knees, there was a puddle of tears. And he said, oh God, I'd give my life for a revival. He said that night after service, I'll be, be after it at nine o'clock. Next morning, 9 o'clock, here he came and said, could we pray? Same thing again. We got in this car, drove up and down the roads. Let me tell you, a lot of folks are saying, oh, God will do it if we just ask him to. No, God won't. I want to tell you, God won't do it until God's people are obedient and do what God wants them to do. It'll never happen until we obey God. 
We drove up and down those roads, no lunch hour. Five o'clock in the afternoon, back to that little room, back down on his knees, back again. He poured out his heart to God. Oh God, he said, I'd give my life for revival. About Friday night came, there'd been a little trickle of blessing. A young man came to me I later, found his 18 years of age, held, held his Bible like he loved it and believed it. And he said, a preacher, I want you to pray for God to save my daddy. You know, that a lot of Christians ought to be doing that. I tell you, if God could get Christians on fire to win their loved ones and members of their families, we'd have a revival. Amen. Young man said, my daddy's 54 years of age. My daddy's a drunkard. He said, if God had saved my daddy in this meeting, he said, I'd, I would think it was the greatest meeting that I've ever been in if God had saved my daddy. Will you pray? I said, yes, I will. I began to pray. Sunday morning came. Preacher said to me, now we're going to have all the adults in at um, 10 o'clock, Sunday school hour. All the adults, auditorium seated, 650 people. Said just, just adults. When 10 o'clock came, there was only two vacant seats in that auditorium. Every seat was filled. And there were two seats on the end of the second pew. And there sat a young man at the end of that pew. And that young man kept looking back and looking back. And after a while, the ushers brought two people down, his mother and his father, and seated them there beside him. Oh, that morning, that morning I looked at that young man. And I said, there's a young man that believes that in answer to prayer, that witnessing that God can save his father. And when the invitation was given, I saw that young man do something I've never seen anybody else do before. I've seen this. He turned to his father, put his hands upon his father's shoulders, and I knew what he was saying. He was saying to his father, Father, I want you to be saved. And I saw that father look at him and smile, but shake his head gently. Then I saw the young man put his arms around him and lay his head upon his shoulders. And I saw him weep and hug his father. And his father shook his head gently and kindly, but he shook his head. Then I saw that young man. I saw him get down on his knees in the middle aisle. And reach out and put his arms around his father's limbs. And he looked up in his face. And his father looked down at him. And in a moment, he reached down, put his arms under his son. They came to the altar. And when they came, I literally believe God opened the windows of heaven. And 63 other adults beside his father... I came that morning and were saved in that church. Oh, I remember something kind of humorous, but wonderful. That, that godly pastor said to me, now 11 o'clock, we go on the radio. Big stuff, you know. We go on the radio. And he said, we'll have to be all through with this at 11 o'clock. I remember what was happening when 11 o'clock came. That boy just brought his mom and his dad. His mother already saved, but he just brought them. And 63 other adults came. And the people were busy. They were four and five deep in the altar, leading people to Christ, men and women. And that pastor came by the mic and he said, We don't have time to go on the radio now. We're too busy. Well, I'd like to see that happen again. 
I'd like to see the blessing of God so come until we inter interrupt our programs and upset things and change things. We need the fire from heaven tonight. That's what we need. We need that more than we need anything else in the world. We need it more than we need better buildings and more buses and better Sunday school literature. We need the fire of God from heaven tonight. And God is still willing to send it when people meet God's requirements and meet God's need. And do what God has said. Now, I don't know what happened to my text. But the, this uh, unsaved king said, what kind of a man is this? They said, well, he's a hairy man. He was a hairy man. You know, Elijah was a hairy man. And everybody knew him by that name. That's the way they identified him. They said, well, he was a hairy man. And this wicked old king Ahaziah said, why, that's Elijah. But he identified his outward appearance. I want in the next very few minutes to say something about his inward appearance. What kind of a man was this? This man was a man who walked by faith. I like that. You know, we've just about got it where nobody has to believe God much anymore. The program will get it done. It'll happen somehow. We're so affluent, we don't think we need to walk by faith anymore. I thank God for this good man willing to stick his neck out. I want to tell you, until you're will, will, willing to stick your neck out and wade out deep in the water, you're not going to get much from God. God's looking for people who are willing to trust Him and believe that by faith they can have what they need to do the work of God. He walked by faith. One day, God said to him, won't you go back in the woods? I preached a sermon on Elijah to Brook. But God just said, go back in the woods. He just made the greatest announcement a prophet ever made in the Old Testament. He just said, there's not going to be rain for three and a half years until I say for it to rain. And then God said, get back to the brook. You know, that's where God wants us tonight. God said to Elijah, hide yourself. You won't ever be any more up here than you are behind the door of your home and in the prayer closet. Oh, I want to say to you tonight, God wants us to be a people who dare to believe God. That by faith we can walk and not by sight. Oh, people today, they got to see it all before it happens. One day the Lord said to Elijah, all right, you can leave the brook. But it looked like God was just bearing down on him a little more. He said, I want you to go over to a widow's home. Now, my mother was a widow for 26 years. My sweet mother's still living, by the way. She's 98 years old. And uh, it's because of her, I believe, and the grace of God, I'm standing in this pulpit tonight. But a widow, widow in the Bible is a picture of desolation, a picture of need, a picture of poverty. When God wanted to describe the destruction of Jerusalem, He said she sits like a widow. And God said to Elijah, I want you to go over to a widow's house. And she and a little boy over there. And she'll feed you. And when old Elijah got there, she picking up sticks and probably weeping. She said, I'm gonna, I have a little handful of meal. 
and I'm going to cook it, and my boy and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. It's all we have. That's where God sent him. But oh, listen, somebody believed God. For she went to that meal barrel, and the Bible said, the, the barrel of meal wasted not. It was full every morning and every evening. That's the God we have tonight. Oh, listen, we need some people who dare to count on God and to believe God and to take God into our affairs and believe God. I preached on one radio station for 20 years and I saw hundreds and hundreds of people come to our church and write us who were saved. That radio program. But it's a work of faith. And I remember many years ago having to raise the money up for that station and other stations. And one morning I was in my office and I must leave and go and pay the radio bill um, in those days. And um, I said to the Lord, Lord, now this won't sound big to you in this day, but I said, Lord, I lack $20, have enough to pay that bill, but it's due now. I don't mean tomorrow, I don't mean this afternoon, I mean now, they're waiting for me. And I didn't have it all. I said to myself, I believe God. I believe God's bigger than $20. I believe God knows the need. I believe God has seen these people saved. I believe God has heard the words go out. I believe God knows this. I believe God will do something about it. I just picked up what I had started for that radio station. And I remember seeing a woman across the street and she stopped. She opened her purse. And that's always a great experience. When a woman gets in a purse, I've been married to a sweet lady 52 years. And I want to tell you, when Joyce goes through a purse, it's like, it's like moving. It's like, a, it's like going into a new house or something. I saw her open her purse. She's going into her purse, but I didn't think anything about it. The light changed. She started. I started. In the middle of the street, she stopped me. She said, Brother Malone, she said this morning I was praying and God laid you on my heart. And she said, I have $20 of the Lord's money. And we're standing right in the middle of the street. The light's about to change. And she said, I want to give it to you. I stood in the middle of that street and I said, thank God for a God who lives and sees and knows and never fails. And that's the God we have tonight. Oh, I want to tell you there's nothing wrong with walking by faith. You don't have to see it. I remember when we started Emmanuel Baptist Church, my wife and I, 49 years ago, this October. I remember we started that church we just thank God for the privilege. We spent the last penny we had on earth to buy our meal just before we started that church. And uh, God met our needs while the old saints had come along and shake hands with me and they'd leave something in my hand. I'd look at it and it was money. After about six, eight weeks, I think the, 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 the men of the church thought about me getting this money firsthand. They said, well, we better put you on a salary, Brother Tom. And I was dumb enough to let them do it. If I'd have just stayed the way it was, they were just shaking hands with me all the time. But today, if a fellow wants to start a church, he's got to be supported first. Oh, what's ever happened to trusting God? What's ever happened to saying to God, 
I'm going to do it if I die. I'm going to do it if I starve. I'm going to do it if I fail. I'm going to try. I'm going to trust you. Oh, Elijah walked by faith. Now, I can't preach all my sermon. I have seven points. That's one of them. And I'm going to let you go in just a few minutes. Pray fast. The faster you pray, the faster I'll preach. But Elijah was a separated man. You know, nobody ever said of Elijah, this man is a good mixer. Listen, preacher, if anybody ever says that about you, you better go get on your knees and, and ask God to change your life. Nobody ever said, oh, Elijah's a good mixer. No, Elijah's a good separator. He was a great divider. Elijah knew the true God from the false God. Elijah knew the difference between old-fashioned salvation and religion. Elijah knew about the blood of the Son of God that was to come on the cross of Calvary. Elijah was a separator. And I want to tell you what we need in America today is a lot of preaching on old-fashioned come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Why well, I see the people of God meddling with things that the God's holy word said don't ever get mixed up in that. Now, I'm not making somebody mad. I don't know. In fact, I have right here in the edge of my Bible, make somebody mad right here on point number two. But I see a lot of folks fooling with denominational religion and ecclesiastical authority and modernism and unbelief and people that tamper with the Bible and question the virgin birth and deity of our Lord, the Son of God. I want to tell you, God's not in it. You say, well, preacher, what about the Southern Baptists? Yeah, what about them? That's what I'm talking about. I think it's a disgrace to God and the fundamentalism for Baptist preachers and Baptist people to fool with denomination whose schools are rotten and teach preachers of Bibles not the Word of God. God will hold people accountable for that. Here's a man that was a separator. He never fraternized with Ahab's court. He had no desire to wear their royal robes and indulge in their luxury and their plenty. He was a separator. And I believe that's the kind of Christian we need tonight. Oh, folks say, well, Brother Tom, times have changed. Yeah, they sure have. A lot of people have lowered the standards. And like the preacher said tonight, they don't have the courage to stand up for what's right and be a peculiar. They want to be popular. God said be peculiar. And you don't have to work at being a nut. Just get saved and enjoy it and thank God for it and try to win somebody else and everybody will know you're a nut. You don't have to work at it. It'll come naturally if you'll do what God says to you. He was a separator. Oh, I heard old Dr. Ironsides preach years ago. God bless those old men. Oh, I, I, I lament. Last Sunday afternoon, down in Ohio in my motel room, I got to think of those old men and how they stood and how they said, I'd rather die than ever lower the flag. I got to think of those old men now gone to heaven. I said, oh God, you got to raise up some young men like those great men. Old Dr. Ironside said to me, he's a boy. He went out in the field and caught a wild bird and took it home. He said to his mother, I'm going to put it in the cage with a canary. 
She said, Harry, you don't do that. He said, oh yes, said, if I'll put it in the cage of a canary, the canary will teach it to sing. We'll have the sweetest music in the world. She said, no, Harry, it won't work that way. She said, don't put that wild bird in that cage with a canary, because that canary can't teach that wild bird to sing. He said, oh, Mom, I'm going to put it in this cage, and that canary will teach it to sing such sweet little notes and songs. They put the wild bird in the cage with the canary. And in a few days, the little old canary was squawking like the wild bird. And I want to tell you, you get in the cage with the wrong kind of people. And in a few days, you'll be squawking just like they are. God wants a separated people. What's happened to the day when men wore their hair like a man? And a woman dressed modestly. And preachers called a spade a spade and specified what they're talking about. I like the kind of preaching that our brother Garris did tonight. Nobody has to ask. I wonder how he stands. Everybody knows how he stands. Oh, God help us tonight. We need, Elijah was a separated man. He wasn't a good mixer at all. Elijah was a man with a high spirit. Now, I don't really know how to explain this. And uh, you say, well, you ought not to preach on something you don't fully understand. No, if I did that, I never would preach anymore. I preach on a lot of things I don't fully understand. But if God said it, I believe it. That's all there is to it. But Elijah, you know, seemed to be a man with a high spirit. Why, when, the, when Elijah appeared in Ahab's court, he came from the rocky, craggy mountains of Gilead. On the other side of Jordan, clothed in an old furry garment, with his hair flowing in the wind, he came from the mountaintops and stood in Ahab's court and made his announcement about the judgment of God. I read of him when the three and a half years were expired. He had called a drought upon the earth. Now he must get water. And on Mount Carmel, as close to God as he could get, he falls down, puts his head between his knees. I'll tell you, that's a good position. That's a humble position. That'll take the pride out of you. That'll keep you from depending on your doctor's degree. That'll keep you de from depending on a good outline and good, good stories. And he got down on his knees on Mount Carmel. And on that mountain he prayed until God opened the windows of heaven and the rain came. I see old Elijah again. He goes to Mount Horeb. After he, under the juniper tree, he ate the angel's meal. He heads for the mountain where he heard the still small voice of God. He was a man of a high spirit. Why, when this incident happened, of which I've read tonight, the Bible said he's sitting on a hill. Everything in the Bible is important. I believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. I believe all the ifs are inspired in the ands. I believe, I believe even the punctuation is the way it ought to be. He's sitting on a hill. It looked like Elijah was trying to say, this world's not my home. I'm a man of the sky. My spirit is not in this slew of filth. I'm God's man. 
And I live on the mountaintop. You know, God must have honored him. For one day when the Lord Jesus was to climb that mount of transfiguration with three of his disciples, he said to the Father, Father, I want Elijah to come. I want the man of the high hills. I want the mountain man. The man with the high spirit. I want you to bring Elijah. And the man who'd been gone, I think about 1500 years, came down out of heaven and on a mountaintop he met the Lord. And I want to tell you, he was a man of a high spirit. He was spirit controlled. I like to read what some of the folks said about Elijah. Why, when he met Obadiah, Obadiah did some good, but he's in the wrong place. He was in Ahab's court. And listen, because you can do a little dab of good, and you're still in the wrong place, doesn't mean God's hand is upon you, and you're where God wants you to be. And old Elijah said, if you're looking for me, and old Ahab's looking for me, go tell him you found him. Obadiah said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, I know... As soon as I'm gone, the Spirit will take you somewhere else. And I won't be able to find you. One day when God took old Elijah home, the school of the prophets, the sons of the prophets, said, why, I think I know what happened to him. The Spirit of God has picked him up. He's up there in a mountain or a valley somewhere. Let's go look for him. Heard old Dr. Roloff preaching on it one time. And he talked about those sons of the prophets saying, Let's go look for him. The Spirit of God is just taking him up there somewhere. Old Dr. Roloff said, If you're going to look for him, you better be able to fly. Because he's gone high, high, high. Oh, that's what we need. We need some people tonight like old Abraham. You know the reason Abraham dwelled in a tent? Because he said, This world's not my home. You say, Well, where do you get that? In the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. He sojourned in the land of promise as a stranger in that land. Dwelling in tents because he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And we need some spirit-controlled people. I don't mean wildfire. I mean people who say like that preacher said, when God sent a great revival, that preacher said, I'd give my life for revival. We need some people tonight to say, I'd give my life. If I could see God use it to keep people out of hell, I'd give my life. Paul said it. said, I could wish myself a curse from Christ. I could wish myself gone and even a curse if it would mean the salvation of my loved ones. Amen. I can hardly preach without thinking of my dear father. My father never saw me until I was six weeks old. He was a drunkard and a vagabond and a gambler. He broke my sweet mother's heart, broke our home, when I was a little six, five and a half year old boy. I preached 25 years and my father was not saved. You say, oh preacher, surely you should have won him in 25 years. I want to tell you, I did every ordinary thing any of you have ever done to win a loved one. I talked to him on the phone. I went to see him in Houston, Texas. I brought him to my house and paid his way to come to see me and took him to church. I'd go to Houston to preach and I'd go with my dad. He'd sit on the front row like these people tonight. I asked a lot of preachers in Houston, go talk to my dad. And uh, some of them went and some of them never bothered. 
But I remember one night when God got a hold of Tom Malone's heart. I was driving down through Ohio the other day going to a meeting, and I saw signs at the Barberton. I said, oh, Lord, that's where one of the greatest nights of my life took place. So that night, I went into a little motel room, and I said to God, I'd rather die than my father go to hell. I've seen Dad saved by the hundreds. My dad's going to hell. And there that night and the next day, I labored with God until God said to me, well, would you give your life to see your dad saved? And I want to tell you, God showed me something about Tom Malone. Wasn't pretty. God showed me that pride and selfishness and God ripped me to pieces and God poured me out like pouring out a glass of water. I called my wife the next day and said I'd be home, but I'm going to Houston, Texas. My dad's got to be saved. Three days later, I walked in his yard and I said to my dad, 728 Apache Street in Houston, Texas, in his backyard, I said, Dad, I want you to be saved. And my dad dropped his head like you'd hit him with a pole axe. He said, Tom, I want to be saved. Yeah. And in his backyard, he was saved. Yeah. And about six years ago, my brother and I stood and lowered his little old body into a grave outside of Houston, Texas. And I remembered him waving his hand toward Jesus and saying to me, Tom, I'm going to meet you in heaven. Let me tell you, there's not enough money in Texas to buy that for me tonight. I want to tell you tonight, God wants us to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. By the Spirit of God. I must close. He was a man of intercessory prayer. He knew how to pray. You know, intercessory prayer, I wonder if we understand it, you never ask God something for yourself. Intercessory prayer, you never pray about something for you. Intercessory prayer is always for others. He prayed and it didn't rain. He prayed and it fired. He prayed and fire came. He was a man of intercessory prayer. One day a man came to Charles Finney. 100,000 souls were saved in Rochester, New York and the surrounding area. A man came to Charles Finney and said, Do you know a man by the name of Abel Clary? Charles Finney said, I've heard his name. He said, well, I'm concerned about Abel Clary. Charles Finney said, why? He said, he's the strangest man I ever saw. He said, I'm concerned about it. He's living in my home. He said, I'm worried about Abel Clary. He said, he rarely ever sleeps. And I hear him groaning and travailing and calling on God all hours of the night. He says, I open his door sometime. He's laying prostrate on his face in his room. And he said, I hear him groaning and travailing and praying. And he rarely ever eats much. And he rarely ever sleeps, I suppose, because I hear him praying all hours of the day and night. I don't know what to do with it. Charles Finney said, don't do anything with him. Please, leave him alone. And everybody's read about a hundred thousand souls. And Charles G. Finney's name. But who ever heard of Abel Clary? who behind the door knew how to intercede until the arm of God was moved. And no substitute for prayer. I thank God for a prayer partner I've had for 52 years. Yea, about 50, 50, 55 years, really. 
My wife and I, we used to pray together before we were married. We prayed about getting married. Amen. She said to me one day, when, we get, when you get $1,000, we'll get married. About six weeks later, she said, how are you coming on the money? I said, I have $29.87. She said, that's close enough. Let's go ahead and get married. <laughs> you know, if there's a man here tonight that doesn't have a wife, get one. Dummy, don't go through life without a wife. I thank God for a prayer partner. And I want to tell you, God hears and answers prayer. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe you can go to the throne of grace and God will listen to you? If you don't believe it, you need to get where you do believe it and where God will hear you. Elijah was a man of courage. I wish I had time to talk about that a while. But Elijah departed from this world in an unusual way. He went like I'd like to go. Oh, a lot of folks say to me, you know, preacher, I'm homesick for heaven. I'm not. I got a little sweet daughter over there. I want to see her. I did, I'll tell you, when I see my sweet little Sylvia Elaine, hold her in my arms, it's going to be a wonderful thing. But I'm not homesick for heaven. I've looked at too many holes in the ground. And I know that grass is not real grass. And the flowers will soon fade. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go that way. I'm not looking as, a, as we've heard said so many times, uh, for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. And one day, the Bible says Elijah was a man, you know, that walked with God. And one day, it might have been late in the evening. The Lord said to Elijah, we walked together. And we've talked together. And it's getting late. And we're closer to my house than we are yours. Just come on home. And he called Elijah away. And he went to heaven without dying. That's the way I'd like to go. I'm not afraid to go the other way. But oh, I'd like to be here when the Lord comes. I'd like to be here when the shout is heard in heaven. And the trumpet blows. And the Son of God comes back to this earth again. I'd like to go like Elijah went. But above all in this world, I'd love to hear him say when he comes, Well done. Oh, the Lord's coming. And we're going to meet him and stand before him. Oh, to be like this man. A man of courage and faith and prayer that pleases and honors God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.